We express our praise and gratitude to Allah Ta'ala and we seek blessings upon the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So hopefully you all got the news about the, the fasting beginning, that the method, mathematically impossible sighting has taken place in California yesterday. But inshallah, all is well. Okay, let us jump right into the material. And uh, once again, let me know if you can see my screen. Okay, so uh, I couldn't see anyone's faces. Can you all see the one note on the screen? Yes. Okay, very good, Mashallah. All right, so we were speaking about Bismillah Rahim yesterday, the Basmalah. And a couple of points we discussed the etymologies of theories of the etymology of the name Allah. And then we also introduced this idea that one of the primary relationships that Allah Ta'ala has with creation is Rahmah. And then Rahmah has these two parts which includes mercy and intimacy. The mercy is the act of giving mercy or rahmah, and then the rahmah is completed when we respond, when the mercy receiver is responding with something akin to gratitude. And then we said that the primary relationship that Allah Ta'ala has with creation is rahmah, the primary existence of the Prophet, peace be upon him, is to be the manifestation of God's rahmah, and then a primary relationship that we are prescribed to have with each other is Rahma. And so just again, more uh, uh, points of vocabulary. So the word Rahman and the word Rahim, which most of you have heard many, many times. Rahman, a common simple definition. This is the superlative that Allah is the most in Rahma or the highest source of Rahma, and then Rahim is the eternal in Rahma. So, so long as there is time, Allah Ta'ala is the highest source of, of Rahma. He is the highest source of mercy. Now, a point also to consider, and then we have one last point after this in speaking of Bismillah Rahman Rahim, is that this becomes the lens through which to understand all of the Islamic sciences, but more than that, all of reality itself. And, and again, apologies for review for those of you who've gone through some of this with me even multiple times. Uh, when we speak of how this whole system of Islamic sciences, Islamic thought are structured, uh, we have the Basmalah, Again, Bismillah Rahman Rahim. And the better, the more thoroughly I know that, then the better I know the essence of Al-Fatiha, the first surah of the Quran, and hopefully this will load up on the screen any second now. And then the more thoroughly I know Al-Fatiha, then the better I know essentially the entire Quran, but especially surahs two and three. So Al-Baqarah, in Ali Imran, the second and third surah. And then the more thoroughly I know them, the more thoroughly I know the Prophet and the Quran, the teachings of the Prophet, peace be upon him, and the Quran. And the easiest way to distinguish between the teachings of the Prophet and the Quran is that 
The Quran is what the prophet received as what we call recited revelation. And then what is compiled in the Hadith, as well as what is lived in the Sunnah, is non-recited revelation. So it's not wrong to say that the, the Prophet's teachings is the Quran in practice, peace be upon him, but it's actually more than that. And then the more thoroughly I know all of that, then the more thoroughly I know the Islamic sciences in terms of their essences. So the Islamic sciences being Arabic, sciences of the Quran, sciences of the Prophet, peace be upon him, law, um, um, purification, tazkiyah, character and manners, and then philosophy, history, theology, so forth and so on. And so what we're saying is that, that think of these even potentially as concentric circles, where the closer you get to the center, the more you're getting the core of, of everything. And the root of Bismillah Rahman Rahim is the Ba. Okay. The Ba at the beginning, Ba, in or with. And so we said that what is this, or I mean, in the past, we've said what is this essentially saying? That the heart or a heart of all of Islam, and then by extension, all of reality, is connection. And thus, the opposite of that becomes disconnection or alienation. Asim. Um, you said in or with. Yeah. Do we understand the two things differently? Like, can they mean different things in this context? So they can, depending upon what words are, uh, this preposition is used, is connected with. Uh, but think of it in the sense that the ba is still the ba, right? And so an inflection will, will of the meaning of, of it will vary depending upon context. Common element being connection. And so that's we're saying in this first drawing is essentially how the Islamic thought operates, how it's structured. But more than this, I'm saying that this is this Bismillah Rahman Rahim or the Ba in particular is how to negotiate or how to comprehend reality. So think of all of those things that promote connection are probably more in line with what we think of when we think of Islam. All of those things that promote disconnection will often be the opposite. So for example, a sin Textually, what is a sin? It's a disobedience out of Allah. What is the consequence of a sin? You're breaking a relationship. You're straining a relationship. If I lie to you, I'm straining a relationship. If I break your trust, I'm straining a relationship, right? If I'm skipping all my prayers, I'm straining my relationship with God. And so think of Bismillah Rahman Rahim on the one hand as your flashlight through which to understand the, all of the rest of Islam in terms of the sources Likewise, as your flashlight through which to operate or to understand, to navigate reality, which then means what? It means that if I'm saying this is my flashlight through which to understand reality, we're saying that part of the essence of reality, much of the essence of reality is getting closer or appreciating God's Rahma upon me. That existence 
is a process of appreciating God's rahma. Any thoughts, questions, reflections on this so far? I know, it's first fast. I'm required to have all the energy. You all have to just try to keep your eyes open. Okay, in any case, continuing further. So, so then we're saying that all of the rest of what we'll be covering over the course of the semester is exploring this point. Someone just spoke, and I don't know where that voice came from. Okay, so anyway, all of the rest of the material we'll be exploring is essentially further elucidation on the Rahma of God. Okay. But again, it's a handshake. One aspect of it is recognizing these things as Rahma upon me and then responding to the Rahma, at the very least, with gratitude. So it's easy to see ease as Rahma, but then the goal is to also see struggle as the Rahma of God. Okay. Now, that opens the door for us to go into the next ayah of the prominent ayahs. Anybody want to predict what it is? Oh, Ahant, yes. Um, so, so, so my question was to, in terms of seeing struggle as Rahma, yeah. how does the Quran, you know, address this? Or because you had stated, you know, a lot of times in your classes before that the Quran is really shaping the way we we think. So, so how does the Quran, you know, address our thought process or shaping our our, our thought process to view struggle as as rahma? Okay, great question. So. So again, at the, uh, I have all those. I'm going to stop apologizing for all the repetitions for those of you taking my classes before. But uh, first step is to lay a foundation of our various types of experiences with God. Okay, and we can call these either the tests or the doors through which to get closer to Allah. Okay. And so every moment of your life is one or more of these tests every moment of your life is one or more of these doors not necessarily in any particular order one is the test or the door of obedience okay so for example the fact of fasting okay we're fasting at the very very bare minimum bare 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 minimum because of obedience to god okay ideally we might be fasting for more than that maybe even consciousness the development of taqwa all those things Okay, wonderful things. Then we have the test of does, ease. Uh, I have a question. Yes. How does fasting relate to the oneness of God? How does okay. fasting open your mind? Okay, so so that's a good question. We'll come back to that. That's a really a fundamental question for the fact of the day today, inshallah. Okay, so we have ease or prosperity. And then we have also the test of loss or struggle. And then we have the test of difficult decisions. And so what are we saying here? That every single moment of my life is one or more of these tests. And then how do I pass the test of obedience? I obey. How do I pass the test of ease? By being grateful. 
how do I pass the test of struggle by persevering through? And then how do I pass the test of difficult decisions? By making the best decision I can. Now, that's a pass. How do I high pass? How do I high pass the test of obedience? I obey and do even more. So not just the fard, not just the wajib, not just the mandatories, but even the sunnahs, the nafal, so forth and so on. That becomes extra credit that also reinforces the, uh, uh, the, the strength of things that I am doing. Or in the context of haram, forbidden things, staying away from them and staying away from things that are in that world. And then, <laughs> yes, I know. And so, so then how do I pass the, how do I high pass the test of ease with gratitude and also in all of these, keeping a positive impression of Allah, as opposed to being grateful yet feeling entitled. I work so hard for this. Alhamdulillah that Allah has given me. Now, alhamdulillah that Allah has given me the opportunity to work and alhamdulillah that Allah Ta'ala has given me the, uh, the ease that he has given me. And then how do I pass through the test of loss, persevere, and there especially keep a positive impression of Allah. And then difficult decisions <laughs> is I make the best decision I can and also keep a positive impression of Allah. Then on top of that, we have different du'as for each of these things. So difficult decisions, the du'a of istikhara. For number three, loss and struggle, the du'a of Musa, peace be upon him, in Surah Al-Qasas, my Lord, I'm in need of any good that you send down to me. In the case of ease, the prayer of gratitude, in Surah Al-Ahqaf, and then in the case of obedience, many, many du'as to facilitate that. I, liked, I personally like the prayer of debt, Make easy for me what is halal, make hard for me what is haram. Okay. But then, in the case of Dr. Mahan, for all the times that I have fallen short for any of the above three or the above four, the test of forgiveness. Seeking forgiveness for all the times that I have failed miserably or failed partially or not gotten the highest possible score. Now, I'm calling these tests as well as doors. If I'm at one common level of faith, the common level that most people are at, then these are all basically tests, right? That I will be held to account for facing God on the day of judgment. However, if, my, if I've oriented my goal in life to get as close as possible to Allah, where the completion of that is facing God, on the day of judgment and in paradise. Meaning, if my actual goal is not to pass, if my actual goal is an A+, where I want to be not only in the company of the prophet, peace be upon him, but facing God, meeting God, then these are doorways throughout my life experience where Allah has opened the door to get even closer. Okay, same event, different reading, depending upon my level of faith, depending upon my life aspiration. So having said that, now going back to Ahan's question, all of these are elements or forms of the Rahma of God. Okay. How is forgiveness the Rahma of God? That is easy, right? It's easy to see 
the opportunity for forgiveness as the mercy of God. It is easy to see ease as the mercy of God, the rahm of God. How is obedience? Anyone? How would that be a manifestation of the rahmah of God? Obeying God and all these things we're supposed to be doing. He is giving you an opportunity to get you know closer to him rather than further away. So I would call it even more than an opportunity. I'd call it a prescription. But yes, right? That in your daily prayers, you're basically saying Allahu Akbar, and then you're throwing all of the world behind you. And then for these five minutes, these 10 minutes, this hour, I don't care about anything but God. Who cares what else happens to the world? And then like for guys for fasting, this is getting uh, it towards Musab's question. One of the interesting things, and and uh, I'm looking for a counterexample to this. So Musab, you have to go look for a counterexample to what I'm about to say. That when you look at all the rituals of people of religion, over the centuries, okay. uh, it seems like fasting is only done for the supreme being. Whereas, for example, animal sacrifices might be Udhya, like we do uh, for Eid al-Adha, or it might be for some pagan god. Okay. Uh, bowing, prostrating might be for a king, okay. or it might be for a god, or it might be for a pagan. But fasting, even with the Quraysh, they used to fast on Ashura. That seems to be only for the Supreme Being. And that's one of the fascinating things that I keep looking for an exception to in terms of the history of religions. So Musab, see if you can find an exception to that, inshallah. Okay, so, so then to anyone else, uh, how is loss a, uh, a manifestation of the Rahmah of God? What are different ways? Well, for starters, we are, all, we are promised that Allah does not hit us with suffering except that he wipes away sins, makes sins drop away like leaves falling from a tree. So every single time you are hit with suffering, even for some of you, hearing my voice is bliss, but for some of you, it is suffering of the highest order. Okay. Then Allah Ta'ala is dropping away your sins. So there's one rahmah. Okay. What are additional rahmas that come with suffering? So Sarah is saying, loss reminds us of he who provides for us and how much has been provided makes us even more grateful. Inshallah, right? So we're taught how wonderful, how wondrous is the plight of the believer that, okay, when they're given ease, they're grateful to Allah. And then when they're hit with loss, they know that the loss is not except as benefit for them. Now, another benefit of of suffering, of course, is that you get stronger. But there's an asterisk for all of these, especially doors number two and three, but for all of these, that it may be that I obey Allah, but then that increases my hubris, my arrogance. It may be that I am grateful to Allah, but it increases my entitlement, my sense that I deserve this. It may be that I'm hit with loss, and then I start turning away from Allah. You know? 
So the point is that I want to persevere and keep a good impression of Allah, and then these things become rahmah for me. Yeah. Uh, Sadiq says growth, absolutely. Yeah. And then Asim says, in a sense, loss also means that we had something that we'd mourn losing. We should be grateful for having that at all. That's a strong level to get to. That uh, when you lose, especially a loved one, when you can reach a point for, for of gratitude for that time. Yeah, that the time that this person was in my life was wonderful for me, mashallah. So uh, back to you, Ahant, what do you think? Yeah, you know, these are all, uh, you know, um, it, it, it's fun to talk about them like in a class, but you know, when you're going through something, it's hard to recall these and apply this. Um, I guess, like in the the back of my mind, I already knew all of this. Yeah, I figured probably. But did. but uh, it's hard for uh, the heart to accept when the struggle is going on. Yeah, that's why in those cases, I'm saying, how do you pass? You persevere, right? Yeah. And you persevere in a high pass as you keep a positive impression of a law. And indeed, if you know someone who's going through struggle, you don't walk up and say, hey, your sins are falling away. I mean, good news that your beloved person has died. Okay, that's not going to really be the thing that they need to hear. Awesome. You had your hand raised for a long time. Yeah, you, you mentioned the, the thing about tests versus doors. And so if we say these are doors then does that mean that the doors have doors within them that offer more opportunity for closeness because if it's just one layer then what's the difference between getting through the door and passing the test yeah this would be like what we would call like an adaptive test you know those online exams that if you walk through a door then you're definitely going to be given more doors to go even further for the rest of your life door upon door upon door upon door yeah, so absolutely. It would be more than just one simple level of connection. And so a way to think about that is how am I orienting my life, my purpose of existence? So I've been given one life in this existence. Is my goal to, you know, to just live the good life? Alhamdulillah. If my goal is to pass so that I'm meaning, so that I'm ready for facing a law, then alhamdulillah. But the highest goal is to be in the pleasure of God, which also means that I am in pleasure of God. And so there, it's like reality especially fits this to get closer and closer and closer to God in a nonstop, inshallah, upward mobility. Dr. Malahat. As another way to look into that is that, isn't that, Everybody have their own lenses to look into that because some of them looking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as a lens of loss. The other can look for the Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as a lens of hope. And then that hope can increase their, you know, iman in a certain way. Mm-hmm. Rather than we keep looking into this um, negative connotation that we have to look everything with the lens of loss. So we're not saying we have to look at everything through the lens of loss. We're saying at times we will be hit with loss, right? And there'll be times where we're going to be hit with gain or ease. And some of those might even happen in the same day or in the same hour. But there will be some people who will have a dominant view. 
Yes. And so we have however many people in this class. Uh, we might have 50 different approaches to Allah Ta'ala in this class, right? So we have the hadith in Nawi's collection toward the end where the prophet is saying, peace be upon him, that Allah is saying, I am what my servant thinks of me. And so if I think of Allah as punisher, then I'm going to see everything in my life as punishment. Okay. If I see Allah Ta'ala as abandoning me, then I'm going to see everything as some sort of abandonment. If, however, see, I see Allah as loving me, then I'm going to see everything as love. So each person will have their own lens. And so when we speak even of the, the names of Allah, whether it's in 99 names, uh, some of us will have more affinity with this name or that name and such. And so what I'm pushing for us to consider is above all of those things is Ar-Rahman and Ar-Rahim. Make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. Thank you. Okay. Any other questions about Ar-Rahman or Ar-Rahim? Okay. And then we spoke about B and then Shayla. So the reason why you say that Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim is above all the other names is because of how every surah starts, right? So, that. so yes, but not limited to that. And it per pervades all these other things too. Yeah. Yeah. And another way to think about this is that if we look at all the different attributes of Allah okay, uh, that we find in the Quran, in the Hadith, etc., etc., uh, we can connect all of them to Rahmah. Although it is harder to connect some of, some of the, the names to everything. Okay, So we can perhaps even connect Creator, Khaliq, to everything. But Al-Mudhil the one who debases, uh, that's harder to, to connect with all the names. Whereas Rahman Rahim seems to connect to everything. And a point to consider that we'll be touching on, uh, since you raised the question, uh, is as we imagine Allah, right now we're imagining Allah through his names. And the goal is to go beyond that because he's not limited by his names. He's not limited by the fact that he's not limited by his names. That very often we reduce Allah to something inanimate or to an algorithm. Inanimate in the sense that Allah is witnessing. May or may not be answering my prayers, but he's witnessing, he's present. And often we reduce Allah to an algorithm in the sense that, all right, if I pray, he should do this. Okay. If I fast, then this is what I should get, cause and effect. Okay. And so the goal is to move beyond that uh, in trying to comprehend, trying to imagine how we imagine God. Okay. And so one point to think about that is Allah is creator, right? No doubt about that. The creator of all, Al-Khaliq, he's a creator. Even if he didn't create anything, he's still the creator. Okay. But is that creation an act of love? If the fact that Allah has given me creation, is that an act of love? If yes, then potentially all the other attributes are attributes of love. Third scenario. So one is creator is just creator. Creating is just creating. Two is creation is an act of love. Three is creation and an act of hate. There, I think, no. But I still want you to go through the whole thought process. That by giving me creation, he doesn't gain anything, he doesn't lose anything. But it's an act of hate. Yeah. That 
it's hard to even comprehend, but still as a thought experiment. But still going to those first two points, either we see Allah as creating period, as though it's value neutral, as though it's passionless, emotionless, feelingless, and all I'm using are human attributes anyway. Or if we imagine the fact that Allah is giving existence to something, an act of love, then what does that mean for everything else? This is the question I want you to just think about on the side that we'll be revisiting over the course of the month. All righty. Uh, awesome has a question. Lost also means we had something. Yes. A uh, question related to the idea of Allah loving me equals some uh, seeing everything as love. How do we stay away from seeing everyone else's love as inadequate in comparison to Allah, which also causes disconnection with our relationships? I would reverse it. So, yeah. Okay. The love that my mother has is higher than any other human being is going to have for me okay. and, and or anything else in all of creation, except for the prophet is going to be even higher and Allah is going to be even higher as opposed to Allah loves me. The prophet doesn't love me as much as Allah. My mother doesn't love me as much as Allah. That becomes negative. You see what I'm saying? That you frame the exact same thing you're saying in the positive. Make sense? So rather than seeing one as inadequate in comparison to the other, we just sort of accept the nature of it. I'm saying you look at all of it as wondrous and then the love of, of the next level above is even more wondrous. And then the next level above Allah, even more wondrous. Make sense? Oh, inshallah. Okay. Next passage. Okay. Now I have returned to my tech illiteracy. One second here. Returning to tech literacy. Hold on. Well, while I am doing this, let's turn off this screen and go to this screen. So the next ayah for our exploration are the disconnected letters. Al-huruf al-muqatta'at. And the strange thing about this ayah or these ayahs is that we will feel like, all right, I already know everything I know because I know nothing. So Alif Lam Mim, as you know, is the first ayah of Surah 2. You all can see the Quran on my screen, yeah? Okay. And then if we expand this, After Alif Lamim, this the book has no doubt in it is guidance for those God fearing, mindful of God, pious, keep their duty, those who have taqwa. Good. Keep that in mind. Going to the beginning of Surah 3. Again, Alif Lamim. Even there, I feel like I'm being disrespectful. Alif Lamim. Then we speak about Allah. Allah, there is no God but He, the alive, the sustaining. And this will sound familiar if you're familiar with Ayat al Kursi. Hint, hint, a future ayah we'll look at. 
And then he has revealed to you the book with truth, confirming what has come before it. And he sent down the Torah and the Injil. And then if we jump forward to, oops, semi-random other surahs. Surah 10. Aleph Lam Ra. These are the verses of the wise book. 11. Aleph Lam Ra. This is a, 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 a kitab al-Uhkimat. So this is a book, the verses of which have been made firm, elaborated by the one who is wise and all aware. So 29 surahs begin with disconnected letters. Almost all of them, after the mention of the disconnected letters, speak in some capacity of the book. Or some communication with Allah or from Allah. So a slight exception. Kaf this is a narration of your Lord's Rahma to his servant Zachariah. So, not quite the book, but the Rahma. And then a very big exception Surah 30, Rum, again, Aleph Lamim. The Romans have been defeated. Okay, nothing about communication. Nothing about Rahma explicitly. Okay. A little bit of mention of God's help. So if we put together everything that we know and think of regarding the disconnected letters, what do we have? So, so sorry if you're looking at St. Ignatius. One second. Okay, there. Okay. So with these disconnected letters, first, what is the most obvious thing? No one knows what they mean except for Allah. Only Allah knows. What else? If I believe Allah knows the meanings, if there are meanings, and I don't, then what have I done? I've begun the process of, of submitting to Allah. Okay. Which is, the, in essence, of my relationship with God. I am accepting that there are limits to knowledge that Allah is not bound by, that I am bound by. But then there's something about communication. With all the references to the kitab or the qalam. Any thoughts? What would be the connection between, or what could be the connection between these disconnected letters and communication with Allah? Asim. That was actually the question I was going to ask is, oh, snap. So, so there's, so we're saying necessarily that there is significance to how frequently 
we're told this is a thing you don't know. And then something about how, uh, you know, like the, the, in, in Al-Baqarah, it says, uh, there is no doubt in this book. So, so we're saying then that here's a thing you don't know, but also there is no doubt in this thing. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm still kind of trying to wrap my head around it. And I think the question is forming, but I'm not really sure what I'm saying or asking. That is very clear. Okay, so, yeah. so the basic point here is out of 29 surahs, maybe 26 begin with some mention of Allah's communication, like that many. What if we add Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim to this? Then does it become more clear? As in added before the disconnected letters? Meaning, think of Bismillah Rahman Rahim as our flashlight through which to try to understand or answer this question. So, we're speaking about connecting to Allah by way of His Rahmah. So we have the basmala plus the disconnected letters. What are we saying? There's some aspect of connection here with Allah. Especially through the lens of Rahmah. And this is where we're going to stop for today. So this is the question to think about, inshallah, for tomorrow. If we add Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim to the disconnected letters, does that help get us a sense of a purpose for this formula we find over and over again? And we will stop right here. Aside from this, does anybody have any questions about anything at all? Sorry for the cliffhangers, but you know, see, I like doing cliffhangers over and over again. Ahant. Um, I remember in your last year's Ramadan class, you had suggested an exercise. You know, uh, you know, perhaps uh, for example, going through a uh, translation of the Quran and then underlining, you know, each ayah that that mentions you know, Allah or, you know, his mercy. Um, do you have like a, an alternative exercise or... A, you want to do that one? Another subject? Uh, if someone has completed the uh, underlining exercise, uh, underlining the references to God, uh, then drop me a line and we can figure out the next one because, yes, I have at least 15 more of those. Hmm. And uh, these are all going through the translation of course correct as opposed to um i mean all i'm asking is like is there just variations of like what you underline to oh yeah, yeah. there are variations in the translation yeah okay okay yeah so uh lots of other messages here let's see uh can we review recordings oh yeah okay so the recordings i've made a google doc 
Um, and let me just send it to everyone in email. If anyone knows how to convert PDFs to images in an easy way, please let me know, or a way to in in insert PDFs into Google Doc pages. Um, then I can put the notes along with the recording uh, links and such. Um, uh, Alex, you said, can you repeat the last part you said? Um, I, uh, that was 608, so I don't remember what I said at that moment. Uh, yeah, so Marwa, I will, I will send you the, I'll send the, to everyone the links of the recordings. Uh, Dr. Mahan, it's interesting how in Framework of Connection, one of the first lessons is through the disconnected letters. Oh, snap. Go. Go. And Sadiq, whatever is being said after the Basmala, even if we don't understand it, it must be consistent with the merciful names mentioned. So in life, when there are things we don't understand, it is being, it is consistent with Allah being merciful. I think you're on the right track. So, I mean, one way to think about this in the case of Alif Lamim, Dalik al Kitabu la Raib. So, the beginning of Al Baqarah is we begin with this ambiguous and then we get to absolute categorical. And that is also the pursuit of knowledge, that the pursuit of knowledge is you're going from the unknown to the known. That could be a hint. Okay. And then, let's see, Marwa, perhaps something we don't understand because of Allah's mercy would be too much for us. Yeah. Uh, I think that's also a very, very important point. Another point we will touch on, inshallah, tomorrow is that there is always unknown in the experience of life. And so for my undergrads, even a small amount of that unknown leads them to have tremendous amounts of anxiety. And if I can truly un un uh, internalize this idea of a connection with Allah in which all of reality is the mercy of Allah upon me, then that should mitigate, that should cut down quite a bit of the anxiety. And, and Dr. Malahath will hopefully have an app, yeah. Okay, we will stop right here, inshallah, and we will continue more with the disconnected letters. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashadu wa la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashadu wa la ilaha illa anta Nastafiruka wa natubu ilayk. Subhanakallahumma, glory to you, O Allah, wa bihamdika. Praise and gratitude are to you. Nashhadu la ilaha illa anta. We bear witness there is no God but you. Nastafiruka, we seek your forgiveness. Wa natubu ilayk. And we turn to you. May Allah tell reward you all. And inshallah, we'll, uh, may your fast breaking be as exciting as this class was for you or more so. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.